What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex in the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. This is the fourth episode of season four. Today, we are talking bold predictions. These are hot takes and why we will think they will happen. We're going to start a little bit mild and get spicier and spicier as the show goes on. But for a show like this, I had to bring a pretty spicy guest, someone that is rocketing up the fantasy football industry as we speak. And joining me today to break this all down is this man who is formerly the most accurate redraft ranker on the planet. And last year was the fourth most accurate in-season ranker on earth. He's handsome. He has boatloads of Twitter <laughs> followers. And he is now the director of operations at Player Profiler. He is the amazing Billy Muzio. Welcome to the show. Your first time on the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. Man, I'm going to like record that. And I want theme music when I walk into rooms. <laughs> that playing so people can understand. Here we are. I'm here. I'm here to fuck shit up. Right? In the words of... Of Step Brothers, but thanks for the introduction and uh, in the kind words. Happy to be here and happy to be on the podcast. Hundred percent. We'll get we'll get a recording of it, and then maybe when you when you're introducing yourself to people next time we're at the fantasy. Yeah, I'll be like, can I just you can play, just play this, that. Please? Yeah, let me just play this. This is a thirty second <laughs> elevator pitch of why you should be listening. Um, yeah. No, that's exactly the best way to do it. But They're today, like, this one. It starts buffering and you're trying to figure out how to get it to just play. You're like, promise, I promise it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. But again, today is an episode I'm extremely excited for. It's always great to talk bold predictions. And obviously, like, yes, maybe the, some of these things will come true, especially as we get spicier and spicier. But I think that there's a lot of logic and statistical data that we have behind these takes today. That's why I want to talk about this because it might not even happen to the level that we're talking about for a bold prediction. But these are guys that we believe that are significantly going to outproduce their ADP or significantly going to fall below where they're currently being drafted. So Billy, we'll start with you because you are the guest on the show. What is your first bold prediction for today? First bold prediction um, that I have is Ramondre Stevenson will finish as a top nine running back in 2022. I, I think it's, if you want to go even bolder, I'm going to say he has the upside to finish as a top five running Ooh. back in 2022. You take a look at his usage and, and what they were able to do inside this Patriots offense last year. Uh, he was running back 12 in snap share. He was running back number three in overall targets. He had 89 targets last year. I mean, that is a buttload of targets. Weighted opportunities, um, he was running back number six. Rushing yards, running back 12. Receiving yards, he was uh, running back number seven. Receptions, running back number four. So it's clear to say that his usage involvement, not only in the passing game, but also in the rushing game inside this offense, um, is, is definitely uh, something that you need to have consider when you are in your draft rooms. Uh, the, the biggest thing last year people are going to point out was that Damian Harris was injured. Well, newsflash, yeah. Damian Harris is no longer even on this team anymore. And they bring in <laughs> James Robinson, who, in my opinion, had you know the one great year and then he had his injury and then and then hasn't kind of regained a form there and, and hasn't stuck with any team since. Right. I think they brought him in more to compete with tar uh, targets and, and to give competition for the running back two spot, which I think is going to eventually be Pierre Strong. Um, but I think this job is clear cut Ramondre Stevenson. I don't think that he's in any risk to 
hand off any of these or just say give up any of these touches. I know the the overall consensus people are going to say, oh, it's the Patriots, it's Bill Belichick in this offense, and you have to be careful. Yes, that is absolutely true. It is Bill Belichick and the Patriots. That being said, um, it's not very often the Patriots stumble across the back that one can also be utilized in the passing game, also be utilizing goal line, and has the explosiveness and the strength that Ramondre Stevenson has. I think Bill Belichick finally found his unicorn, and he used them as such last year. 100%. I don't think that whether it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi or someone else in the draft, I don't think the quarterback is going to change much about the usage and the role that they have him playing, you know, specifically in this Patriots offense. And like you said, the newsflash Damian Harris is gone is only going to help him. I don't think there's anyone else that's going to take any kind of role because I think he is best suited for any type of running back role that you could dream of. He's probably the best running back on the roster for it. And I think that's what makes him so special for this coming year. So I am all in on him. Another player that this is probably like the least exciting because it's not a sexy player whatsoever, but it's Zach Ertz. And currently right now in best ball drafts, he is going as the tight end 31, which makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, just last season, he finished as a top 12 tight end in eight of the nine games before he was injured. He was averaging seven and a half targets per game. There is no single report or anything I could possibly find that said that DeAndre Hopkins might stay the next year. Chosen Robbie Anderson is gone. AJ Green is retired. It's really just Rondale Moore and Marquise Brown. I know that Kyler Murray could miss some time, but over Zach Ertz's last seven seasons, he's played 12 plus games five times. And in every single one of those years, he has finished as a top six tight end. So why is he going to finish outside that at this point, especially with the limited competition? It seems like all things are on track for him to be ready week one. So I am really excited about Zach Ertz. Billy, what do you think? Are you still, you know, where am I missing something on why the price is so low on Zach Ertz right now? Yeah, he tore his ACL and MCL week ten. Um, yeah. If, if you if you give him a one year timeline, that would put him, you know, on the pup list to start the season. Um, for this offense, we're probably going to see uh, a combination at the position uh, between him and um, Trey McBride. Um, McBride is younger, going to come in, might establish himself as the starter uh, throughout the beginning of the season. I understand why people are low on Ertz because of the injury. Yep. Um, there's still a lot of news that we need to see, a lot of camp to, you know, camp still coming up around the corner. Um, so we got to see where he's at in his recovery. We have to see what that's going to look like. Is he ahead of schedule? Is he behind schedule? News as of today, yep. um, or that we've seen is showing that he is, you know, ahead of schedule, which is good. Um, the fact being, though, is that even if he is ahead of schedule, who's the quarterback the first four, six, seven weeks, yep. right? Um, so there is some uncertainty at the quarterback position. It'll be nice to see those targets, um, the target distribution kind of open up with DeAndre Hopkins gone. It's roughly about 22.5% of the target share. So we do expect to see a little bit more in the passing game. Um, that being said, we saw the involvement with Rondell Moore when he was healthy. We saw Dorch's involvement when he was healthy and when all the other receivers were out. So he's going to be competing for those same routes, short, intermediate, and underneath. So it's going to be a lot is going to be dependent upon his health. And I think bottom yep. line, we all agree that when healthy and on the field, Zach Ertz commands targets and he's actually a, a you know, an easily a top 15 tight end on a week to week basis. Um, the injury has me a little concerned. Uh, I do think that he's going to give up some of that snaps and some of those targets to the, to McBride. Um, and what's to be seen after that is kind of the riddle that we need to solve. Yep, exactly. And I think, it, and we might be just be betting on health at this point. And and he underwent surgery on December December eighth in that nine nine month timeline. We put him right around September. Maybe he's on the pup, like you said. He's still an older player that just tore two major ligaments in his knee. So things are not necessarily on his side with that. But I think if he's on the field, he's going to be a value. And right now in early drafts, I'm taking him all day because the upside is so massive, and I can get him near the very last rounds of my draft. But let's go to your second 
bold prediction. We're getting a little bit spicier as we were going on. So let's take this up a notch. Who is your next player you want to talk about? Uh, Darren Waller will regain form and finish as a top six tight end. Um, I don't think that we will ever see Darren Waller as competing with Travis Kelsey or the, you know, the best of the best okay. again. I think we're past that, that, that stage in his career. And quite frankly, the giants just don't throw enough. When we looked at an expected pass volume, uh, utilizing the last two years, they're probably projected to, sh- to throw in the 545 to 560 range, which is well below the likes of like the Vikings who are projected to throw more like 650 to 670. So just from a volume perspective, Darren Waller, it'll be hard for him to compete with the likes of Hawkinson, who's looking to see somewhere between 22 and, and 24% target share. Um, I do have Darren Waller projected for roughly 20% of the target share in the Giants offense. That breaks down to roughly 100 targets. Um, simple math, it'll be hard for him to outproduce Hawkinson. Um, but I do think that in the grand scheme of things, he's going to shoot up draft boards. I think he's going to be, you know, regain form in terms of being that number one target in the offense. Like Devontae Adams came last year. He just was an afterthought, right? He was injured as well. There's a lot of things going against them inside of the offense. Um, he comes over to the Giants as the number one spot, right? He's going to be the number one target in this offense. They have a pretty ugly receiving core with the likes of Isaiah Hodgins. They have Slayton, right? They have, um, they have just a bunch of hodgepodge receivers that are here. I think that it's pretty safe to say that Waller is in fact, the number one option in this passing game. They went out and traded a third round pick for him. They plan on involving him. A lot of people will point to the fact that Dable doesn't involve tight ends in his offense to this degree, but I would argue that Dable has never had a tight end. This athletic that commands this much target share than Darren Waller. And I think that's the guy. And that's why they went out and got him. That's a great point. Do you think that there's a world that exists where he finishes like the tight end too? Like, you know, he's probably not going to catch Travis Kelsey, but where, you know, something happens to Kittle, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, you know, continues to be killed by the small amount of pass volume. So you think there's a world where he finishes a top two tight end? Yeah, I think there is. It's going to be very touchdown dependent, which is the most variable, variable stat inside fantasy football and impossible to predict on a week to week basis, let alone a season long. You know, right now, my projections, the model I have them is about five touchdowns for the season. It's pretty modest, but it's a mean average. Right. Um, You know, like I said, roughly 20 percent target share puts about 800 yards. just on the raw numbers, if you look at the uh, on the, at the data, Hawkinson right now projected as 234 fantasy points, where Darren Waller is 172, and we can do the math. That's, that's quite a bit of touchdown. So he is going to have to see some positive regressions in yard per reception. He's going to have to see closer to 10 touchdowns in order for that to happen. Um, there is a realm where it happens. I don't think it's likely, but I do think it's within the the, the range of outcomes. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that would be really fun to see. I would love to see Darren Waller have a great season. I think he's had a really great story. Um, and, you know, I know he's not in Las Vegas anymore, but still wherever he is, I will always be a fan of him. But another player that I'm a fan of more as a as a player that I think could also do some big things this year is Jared Goff. And I think that there's a chance that Jared Goff sneaks into the top 10 QBs, maybe even higher this year. That is also me being very bullish on players like Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameson Williams, DeAndre Swift. I mean, these are all guys that are under 20 or 24 years old or younger 
They're all still improving. This offensive line is still, I would consider, top five in the NFL. I think David Montgomery is a better pass catcher you know, than Jamal Williams was. I don't think this defense is still that great. And last year, Detroit was 12th in pass attempts per game. And they also, I, again, he's washed at this point in his career, and he's still not the same player. But as far as fit to this offense, the Lions just signed Marvin Jones um, the day that we recorded this. And I think that Marvin Jones is actually a very like perfect complement to the type of receivers that Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams are. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had another, you know, eight to 10 touchdown season later in his career. And I think he, Jared Goff needs a player like that. They were missing from this offense last year. And I know that they're still having a, you know, a question at tight end. Like, I don't think that we're going to, you know, be excited to have them roll out, whether it's Shane Zilstra or Brock Wright at this point. But I think that with the receivers that they have, I think with the addition of Marvin Jones, it would probably come down to touchdowns, similar to Darren Waller, but I think if he throws, you know, around 35 touchdowns this year, I think for sure that he ends up as a top 10 QB. And I think that people are fading this Lions team still a little bit too much. And I think they're going to be a lot better in a lot of areas more than people think so. I threw $100 in the Lions winning the division last year. I was a year early, I feel like. now. Oh. Um, if you look at the, the stretch they had down the end, I think if they had played even 70% of that or 60% of that the entire season, they yep. probably would have won the division. They were they were playing right lights there. out. Um, Jared Goff was sneaky good last year. You know, Quarterback six in pass attempts, uh, number 13 in deep ball attempts. He was number seven in red zone attempts. Uh when you look at just his overall efficiency as well, he was number seven in yards per attempt. He was number five in adjusted yards per attempt. Um, he was number eight in best ball points added as well. So those spike weeks and things that we talk about looking for in best ball. Um, I love Jared Goff. Like I, I was talking last year about him being a sneaky play because I liked the weapons. I liked Amon Ross St. Brown. I was on Amon Ross last year. I have Amon Ross pretty high in my rankings again this year. They have a you know dynamic running back duo that they can also lean on. Right. I like the fact they went out and saw Marvin Jones. I saw that news today. I said, that's a great signing for them. We expect them to add someone after losing Chark and free agency. Jamison Williams is a great addition, but it's going to need that veteran presence here in order to lean on and grow and develop. Uh, and it's a nice, you know, field stretcher is going to open up a lot underneath for Armand Ross St. Brown. They don't have that title they can lean on, like you just mentioned, but I definitely think they'll address it in the draft. Yep, I completely agree. I think that they're definitely going to address it to some degree. And I think that that is where they can make their money, you know, especially the, you know, somehow ended up with someone like a Michael Meyer or this is a deeper tight end class as a whole than it's been in the last couple of years. And I think that tight end is the last missing piece. Credit to the Bengals for signing Irv Smith. I think Irv Smith would have been a great addition to that tight end core, especially for the price that they could have gotten him at. But again, I will digress and we will move on to our third bold prediction. Billy, we'll go back to you. Let's take it another notch even higher as we're turning up the heat in bold predictions. What is your number three? All right. I, I upset a lot of people on our Man vs. Machine podcast the other day when I said that Joe Burrow was going to finish outside the top five at the quarterback position this year. Uh, you look at what he has done, and, it, and it's been short of miraculous in terms of what he has been able to accomplish. You know, he had 2021, a 70.4 completion percentage. 2022, 68.5 uh, completion percentage. Yards per attempt, 7.4 last year, 8.9 2021, right? Pass attempts last year, 610 pass attempts. He had 4,500 yards and some change, right? So I sound like I'm making the case for Joe Burrow right now. Sounds like I'm trying to tell you to draft Joe Burrow right now. I'm not telling you Joe Burrow is bad. He's actually really good. But the fact of the matter is it took all of that and he finished 10th overall one year and fourth overall last year. So in order for him 
to still finish inside the top five, he has to be able to beat the Konami Code quarterbacks, the ones that are rushing. And on top of that, Patrick Mahomes is just the best quarterback in the league altogether. So he has to be able to, to beat Jalen Hurts. He's going to have to, you know, assuming Lamar Jackson is playing an entire season, he's not going to hold out rushing ability there. We have Fields who's going to rush for a thousand yards as well. Jalen, you know, all these all these quarterbacks that are going to be it's the cheat code in the quarterback position to be able to get these rushing stats in order for him to surpass all these players. He's going to have to have another forty five hundred to a five thousand yard season. That's no yeah. small feat from a quarterback. Right. Last year, like I said, last year alone, he finished number four to just maintain that. Again, Lamar was hurt last year. Fields didn't play the entire season, right? So there's a lot There's a lot of things that he has to overcome here. But he was number five in pass attempts. He was number five in red zone attempts. He was number five in game script, number five in passing yards. Like, he has to maintain that or beat that just to stay in the top five. And that's, that's no easy feat in the NFL. Yeah, I completely agree. That's exactly one of the things that I think people overlook is exactly what you said, just how much they have to overcome to get there year after year, especially for a guy that, yes, like he took a step forward, you know, running the ball a little bit last year, but he's nowhere even like touching, you know, some of these Konami code QBs that get an automatic, like in, not insurance, like a handicap rather yeah. every single week that they get like a five or six point head start ahead of someone like Joe Burrow. So again, the player looks good. He's cool. You know, he has Jamar Chase and T Higgins, but a lot has to go right. Like you said, I think it'd be safe, but I would rather be targeting someone that has more rushing upside that it has the QB one overall upside where unless Joe Burrow throws for 50 touchdowns, I don't think that he has that same, you know, Sorry, the same QB1 upside that some of these other players do as easily. But sticking in the AFC, I want to talk about Damian Harris, someone I've notoriously been hating on the last couple of years. But I think things are shaping up for him to be a top 20 running back for sure right now. He is not being drafted anywhere close to that. And I think that the case is, is pretty simple with Damian Harris. And I think that he's going to take over this Devin Singletary role. And for one, Damian Harris is a lot better than than Devin Singletary, who finished top 24 back-to-back -back years. Devin Singletary did. While not getting much volume per game, while not seeing like a crazy you know, pass-catching workload, but Damian Harris is also just a really good player. I mean, he's a top 10 in PFF rush grade in two of the last three years. He's been in top 25. He's been in the top 25% in rush yards over expected in the last three years. And going back to Devin Singletary, Damian Harris is actually he's he's taller. He is heavier, he's stronger, he had a better bench press, and he's faster than, than Devin Singletary. Like in every athletic measurement possible, he is a better like athletic individual than Devin Singletary is while also hitting these advanced metrics like the PFF grade, rush yards over expected. And in this offense with the Bills that gives like high value opportunities, I think I saw that Rotosurgeon posted the other day that you know, I resonated with is that Damian Harris could be like the 2022 version of Miles Sanders. You know what I mean? Like a miscast player that people don't really like, but could end up, you know, scoring a lot of touchdowns behind a really good offense this year. I know it's not the same offensive line. It's obviously a little bit different, but in terms of a guy that I think could do similar to what he did two years ago and end up with like 15 or 16 rushing touchdowns, I think that that is definitely in the cards for Damian Harris. And I'm just not as much of a believer on James Cook, but where do you lie? Are you more of a James Cook truther? Do you see Josh Allen still continuing to steal all the goal line carries? Like, how do you see this backfield playing out yourself? It's funny. I was updating this projection today, and I was diving deep into this this exact scenario. So I was looking at James Cook. I was looking at Damian Harris. I have Damian Harris slightly ahead of him in rankings right now. Harris is at running back thirty three. James okay. Cook at thirty nine. Um, 
a lot of it's going to break down. I this, of course, this ranking is subject to change. I want to see what camp breaks down. What's the usage? What are we expecting them to see? The split. Um, I would expect Damien Harris to see much more of the one and two, and the Cook to kind of mix in on third downs and be the change of pace back, but also be involved more than he was last year. I think we'll see probably, honestly, a a pretty close, you know, 50-50 split. Um, you might see, depending upon game script, you might see a little bit more involvement on a week-to-week basis for uh, Damian Harris just as they kill the clock and look to pound pound, pound the ball. Um, goal line, I think we'll see a pretty even split as well in red zone packages because they'll want to be able to use the versatility of, of Cook. Um, but in the projections right now, I have 33 um, for Damian Harris. Uh, James Cook is at running back 39. So uh, they're both running back threes in the projection. So I like the call. Again, projections are more of a mean, so I don't have you know crazy high touchdown upside, but it's within the realm of possibilities for this offense and, and, and what they need from their running back. I like the landing spot. I think it was probably best case scenario for him um, outside of you know maybe the Bengals um, with, with Mixon possibly gone. And so I think that um, overall I like the move and I, I, like, I like your boldness. Yeah, and again, like right now, like in in underdog ADP, James Cook is going as the running back twenty eight, and Damian Harris is the running back forty. I mean, Damian Harris is literally going behind guys like AJ Dillon, Alexander Madison, you know, Kenneth Gainwell. These are guys that are not even considered the starters on their team. And I'm not saying that like they've said that Damian Harris is going to come out and be like the number one starter. That's probably why James Cook is going ahead of him. But I just think that he is a superior back, and things are going to be up. But again, it's still bold takes. You know, if I'm wrong, can't blame me. I'm joking, obviously. But <laughs> let's turn up the notch. We have two more bold takes each, and then we'll get into Billy's final flag plant of the show. We'll go back to you for number four. What is your next bold take? Oh, next bold take I have is Calvin Ridley will finish outside the top 35 at the wide wow. position. Oh man, um, it's pretty bold because an underdog uh, he's going inside the top 20 at the position right now. Yeah. Um, Jaguars went out and acquired him for a 2023 fifth round pick and a 2024 conditional pick uh, that could range anywhere from a fourth to a second, depending upon if he signs an extension with the Jaguars or not. Um, it breaks down pretty simple for me. One. He hasn't played football in a year and a half. He hasn't played since week seven, 2021. Uh, a lot can happen in a year and a half from football, right? One, you get older, and that's never a good thing for a receiver. He's 28 years old. He'll be 29 this year. Uh, the other piece is that you're out of football shape. Look at what happened to Sean Watson, who was a top five inside his position inside the NFL, right? He, he missed about a year and a half, comes back, and, and we saw what happened last year. He looked like shit, right? He came in and, and played horrible. And yep. You know, I was low on him last year for the same reasons. Like anytime you remove yourself from football this long, there's never going to be positive outcomes, in my opinion. You're always going to lose a step. Not to mention, he just switched teams. He has a new quarterback. He has a new coach, a new offense, a new system. He's learning all of this. He doesn't have that rapport that he had with, you know, his previous coach and his previous quarterback. Everything has changed. And so for him to, you know, become entrenched in this offense – and to finish inside the top 20, it's going to take a lot. Now, he was very talented when he was, you know, in Atlanta. He was playing alongside Julio Jones. So, you know, he's not playing alongside Julio Jones anymore. He now is arguably going to be a- attracting the number one cornerback. He's going to have to face up against shutdown corners, right? Maybe they rotate depending upon, you know, the, the scheme and what's happening. Is it going to be Christian Kirk in there also drawing attention? I don't know. But what I'm saying is Christian Kirk is not Julio Jones and he's not commanding that much attention on the defensive level. So Calvin Ridley is going to have to step up and be that guy. And I don't think it happened 
missing a year and a half from football in a new offense, a new division, a new coach. There's a lot of uncertainty, and I don't think it's going to do him justice. So you're not taking a lot of belief. I think the, the ADP is probably getting bumped up so much because of the Players' Tribune article he wrote where he said, I'm, I'm coming back to put up like 1,400 yards and, and double-digit touchdowns. And I mean, I read that personally, and I was like, I'm all in. Like, you know, what's Great, I want to win the lottery. Dynasty? I, I, yeah, yeah. Just because I want to doesn't mean I'm going to. You know, it's... yeah. No, that's that's completely fair. No, that's that is that's really interesting. And I like I like how you talked about that with just how the coverages are gonna play out and like at the peak of Calvin Ridley's career, really, like for an entire season, it was like, where's Julio Jones? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where Julio Jones was still viewed at least by defenses as the one A. Yes, Ridley from a fantasy football perspective ended up being the better player, but ultimately it was still, you know, Julio Jones that was getting the attention that Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and some of those guys, again, all respect to them, are not going to be getting. That's really that's really, really interesting. I'm a Ridley believer, but you definitely maybe knock him down a couple steps with that one. But let me talk about the more positive side of a wide receiver that I cannot get more excited about this year and that's Garrett Wilson I mean he's already going high in drafts but my bold prediction is that he finishes as a top five wide receiver in fantasy football last year in the games with just Mike White or Joe Flacco starting he was on wide receiver eight pace over that nine games he was targeted on 27 percent of his routes last year he had a monster 31.7 percent target share in the red zone and courtesy of Matt Harmon's reception perception he had this phenomenal stat that there's only been seven receivers all time to beat press coverage at an 80% rate or higher in their rookie seasons. And those players are CeeDee Lamb, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Odell Beckham. And the last one is Garrett Wilson. What do all those players have in common besides being absolute studs of wide receivers? They all had phenomenal second seasons. And like I said, Garrett Wilson as a rookie – was on wide receiver eight pace with two below average starting quarterbacks. And then you insert someone like an Aaron Rodgers, obviously having to be the quarterback for this take to come true. I think wheels are up for Garrett Wilson. I think that he is going to establish himself as not only a top five wide receiver this year, but probably for the next five to 10 years to come. That is my bold take. Maybe I should have saved that for later. But Billy, am I getting too excited about Garrett Wilson? Or do you think that we might be onto something in terms of the value that he could produce from a fantasy football perspective this year? Your last sentence was spot on. It's going to take Aaron Rodgers for the sentiment to come true. Yep. Because if there's no Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he even sniffs the top 15 um, just yep. because of the, the quarterback play that we're going to see out of out of Wilson. It's just going to be ugly again. Um, and I think that that's, that's my fear, right? And so eventually we think that Rodgers is, is going to happen, right? They, it just th- Everything has lined up to this. There's been too much you know, smoke for it, not to catch fire. Um, I am in on Garrett Wilson. I love Garrett Wilson. I liked him coming out of college. I haven't projected for roughly 26% target share. So I think that the opportunity is there. The skill is there. It has to have a quarterback that's going to piece this together. Yeah. Um, if all that comes together, I could see it happening. Top five is ambitious. It's Top ambitious. 10 I think is real. Top 12 <laughs> is realistic. Um, but love the bold call and the bold take. Exactly. You have to get spicier and spicier. Real, real quick, just um, if you, I don't know if you have it in front of you, if you just know off the top of your head, like where do you project the Jets in terms of pass volume next year? Because I know their defense is improving. This is still a young team. You know, that should get better in probably every facet of the game, which may be in a little bit less pass, pass volume than the games where they were throwing, you know, 60 times a game with Joe Flacco. So where do you see them falling this year in terms of NFL teams and overall pass volume? 
So I haven't adjusted for Rogers landing there just because okay. it hasn't happened. Yep. But if you were to take the offense as of today, expected pass plays, which is a formula that that Dario and I created over at Player Profiler for the rankings, projections, and models, it would be 608.9 attempts. So okay. let's just say 609, right? If you look at the uh, Packers, so let's go to Green Bay, for instance, um, the attempts actually go down, so 575. Um, so – I think that it's safe to say we'll probably be close to 600 range, regardless okay. of who's at quarterback. Um, if it is Wilson, then I think it's safe to say they might be over 600 because they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be throwing the ball more. Um, yep. If it is Rodgers, I would say it's a possibility that um, it's closer to that 675, 6, 674 range just because they're going to be more efficient and they're going to be yep. running the ball and probably have better game script. Um, that being said, though, efficiency should make up for the lack of opportunity in terms of the overall pass volume. Um, so I think that you can wash the two and if not, give a slight bump to efficiency and overall yep. uh, fantasy points for Garrett Wilson. I think regardless of how you slice or dice it, 25 total targets on the expected pass attempt is nothing in the grand scheme of things, especially when you're comparing Aaron Rodgers to Wilson. So in my opinion, much rather have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I would much rather have Aaron Rodgers too. I think most people would. Maybe the Jets don't. I mean, maybe they're not willing to give up an extra pick protection. We'll ride one more gear. Zach Wilson's really figured it out. He's been trying really hard. You know, he's been training all season in the training camps, but who knows? We will see. We each have one final bold prediction to give before Billy's flag plant. So, Billy, we'll start with you. What is your final bold prediction before your flag plant? Amon Ross St. Brown will finish as a top eight wide receiver. You Love you that. talked about Jared Goff earlier. I talked about Let's how I go. liked him around <laughs> last year. Like him again this year. Uh, this bull take was done before the Marvin Jones signing, and I don't think it changed much. Um, looking at just a target, you know, 146 targets last year, 119 in his rookie year. Like the guy commands targets. He was number eight in the league last year, the wide receiver position, 9.1 targets per game. Uh, red zone share, he was number 11. He was 28.1. Uh, target rate, number three in the league at 32.3%, which you love to see. Um, and then you break down to like red zone targets. He was the uh, eighth most targeted wide receiver in the red zone last year. Uh, fifth most receptions last year in the league. He, you know, top 10 in fantasy points per game. You know, it, so there's a lot to like about Amon Ross St. Brown. And then when he does get the ball, he makes people miss. Number seven in the league at wide receiver at Juke Rate. So love Amon Ross St. Brown. Love his passion. Love his drive. I remember watching um, Hard Knocks last year, and he was naming every single receiver that was drafted ahead of him. Love that. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's something to be said about grit. There's something to be said about that, you know, Dan Campbell bite a kneecap mentality, right? And claw your way back up. And grit cannot be taught. Right. It's either you have it or you don't have it. And you could tell him on Ross St. Brown had it when he was talking about his workout, his his routine, his dad being, you know, a bodybuilder and, 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 and raising them about how he wanted to prove the league wrong. That is a winner's mentality. Right. And this is I always preach this when I talk about projections and rankings. Anyone can dive into analytics and anyone can figure out, hey, uh, you know, take take the averages, create a formula for X percentages, whatever. Anyone can do that. You spend enough time on a computer and you get decent enough with Excel. You can put numbers on there and, and, and make it work. Yep. What's the ceiling? Where it matters oh. is being able to have the human element. And knowing the fact that he has grit, determination, and drive, and that you can't yeah. teach that. He's going to get out there and play hurt. He's going to play injured. You know, there's a difference between playing hurt and playing injured, right? And I think that a lot of players will get hurt and not play. If they're injured, by all means, get off the field. But 
you're banged up. Everyone's banged up. It's the NFL. Get out there and play. Amon Ross St. Brown's that dude. He's going to get out there and play, and he's going to have that grit and determination, and he's going to have that drive, and he's going to finish, and that's why I love him. I love that. Can't get enough of that. Do you think it's, do you think he's a top three ceiling if everything goes right? You know, he gets some touchdown, you know, touchdown efficiency. He gets a lot of targets. If, if all things fall right, I know that's tough when you have guys like, you know, you know, Lamb, JJ, Chase, all those guys. But do you think there's a perfect world that exists? Maybe it's a different earth, like earth three or four that, that Amon <laughs> Ross St. Brown ends up in the top three somewhere. Just say yes for the viewers because we talk yes, about him a lot yes, on this podcast. Yes, okay. I, I think right. I think there. I mean, you're talking. You're only talking about five five spots, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and from eight to eight to three is is realistic. And you take a look yep. at the raw projections. You know, I have projected for two hundred eighty two point five fantasy points. Where number number three is Tyreek Hill is three hundred and thirty two. So we're talking about fifty fantasy points. You know, in a grand scheme of 16, 17 weeks. It's very minor. So you're talking about, you know, a, a couple more catches, 20 more yards here and there, a touchdown here and there. That's that's definitely within the realm of possibilities. Not likely, but definitely there's a world where that exists. Well, let me talk about the world where this exists, and that would be that Rashad Penny finishes as a top five fantasy running back this year. I know, I know. There's probably not as much of a world that exists, but I think that there's a real chance that this happens, and <laughs> no, I, I, and I believe it. it. I actually love there, it. You're laughing, but they're they're actually I like, I'm like, laughing because I love there's it. Science, there's science behind this. I mean, with Rashad Penny. I mean, again, like you could say, oh, like you know, yes, of course he's injured. This would require Rashad Penny staying healthier for longer than he probably ever has in entire life. But in all seriousness, Rashad Penny over the last two years has led the NFL in yards per carry at six point two. The next closest is Nick Chubb at five point three. Rashad Penny is also the only player in the NFL with over four yards. Of uh, after contact per attempt over the last two years. Once again, Nick Chubb and Tony Pollard are numbers two and three. And since 2018 in yards after contact per attempt, he's third behind only Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. He also leads the NFL in rush yards over expected from 2019 until 2022. And over his last 11 games, he's averaging 95 rush yards per game and he has 12 touchdowns. The other thing I want to reference is that in all these stats, I'm saying that he is a better player than Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders last year was the running back 15. And the first thing that would have probably came to my mind before this podcast is saying, oh, well, like Miles Sanders is probably a much better pass catcher than, than Rashad Penny is. And maybe that's true. But last year, Miles Sanders had zero games with four targets, zero and he had one or less targets in 10 out of his 17 games, and he still finished as the running back 15. So if Rashad Penny continues all these ridiculous statistical numbers where he's like looks like he's arguably like the best pure rusher in the entire NFL, he sees this, you know, Miles Sanders like receiving volume where he gets less than three targets a game, and Jalen Hurts doesn't like rush for over 10 touchdowns like he did last year where he was ridiculously efficient you know from the one yard line i think there's a world that exists where rashad penny finishes a top five running back and again we don't have to be drafting him like that i'm not drafting him in the first or second round but right now rashad penny is going as the running back 34 on underdog that is one spot ahead of jamal williams two spots ahead of aj Dillon, and four spots ahead of alexander madison who is not even the starter on the vikings team so right now he's a ridiculous value in drafts and i think that if touchdowns go right he stays healthy and he continues to be the amazing rusher that he's been on top of a tiny sample size. There's a world that exists where he is a top five running back. Billy, I know you have your flag pant. Maybe I just gave it and took it a little too spicy, but you said you love the take. Where are you agreeing and where are you disagreeing on the Rashad Penny hype? 
so it's funny. I had a podcast earlier on the Flare Profiler Network with Debro on there and and my buddy Theo, and we talked about Rashad Penny being an RB one overall if we could get a healthy season out of him. Everything you just mentioned was 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 discussed inside of that as well, you know. And and people forget the run that he had in 2021 down the stretch, and that was weeks 14 through weeks 18. I just want to read this this fantasy output for you, fantasy points per game, and where he finished. Week 14, 26.8 fantasy points, RB3. Okay, Played against the Rams, who are a brick wall, 6.4 fantasy points, running back 38. Then he closes out as 19.5 fantasy points, running back 9. 32.5 fantasy points, running back 1. 25 fantasy points, running back number 4. During that stretch, this was the year that Jonathan Taylor was – was the number one running back in, in 2022, the reason why he was the number one overall pick. During that stretch, Rashad Penny was the number one fantasy running back in all of football. His skills are undeniable. If healthy, if we knew we could get 16 games out of Rashad Penny, he would be a first-round pick. Wow. But oh, we, But we don't <laughs> – we're not expecting 16 no. weeks out of Rashad Penny. So when I talked with Dave Richards of CBS Sports, he put it perfectly. Just know you're going to get a month, month and a half at a shot penny. And wherever you're comfortable drafting him, that's where you draft him because you know that you're going to have an RB1 during that four to six, maybe eight weeks, and that he's going to break down. He's going to get injured, right? You look at his career, and in his career, he has never finished an entire season. 2018, his rookie season, he played 13 games. That's the most he ever played in his entire career. Nine in 2020, 19, three in 2020, 10 in 2021, five in 2022. So health is, of course, the elephant in the room when we're talking about Rashad Penny. But when healthy and on the field, he's one of the best in the business, in my opinion. And that's why I agree with your take of love the spicy boldness. It's very bold. It's very spicy. But if all things considered, if he were to stay healthy, it's within the realm of possibilities. He's also and behind it, one of the best lines in football now, too. Probably one of the best lines that's ever existed at, at this point with, you know, Jason Kelsey coming back and doesn't seem like they're going to be losing anybody. The last thing I do want to note, just to, you know, put a little bit of milk, you know, in your mouth with all the spice that you that I was putting with Rashad Penny is Rashad Penny has also never seen more than 125 carries in a season. And last year for the Eagles, Miles Sanders saw over double that with 259. So he would have to sustain over double the workload that he ever has in his entire career. But again, there is a world that exists, and that is all that matters. Before we get out of here, we do have one final take. We're going to throw it back to Billy for his 2023 flag plant. The boldest prediction that he believes in is the way we will close out the show. Billy, the floor is all yours. What is your 2023 flag plant? Okay. Brock Purdy is still the quarterback that you want to own in San Francisco. Oh. I know everyone's on on Trey Lance, but I'm going to tell you why why we're wrong here. And this is based off of qualified 350 snaps across the entire position. Weeks. Let's start with fantasy points, okay? And let's kind of look at the way it way it broke down for Brock Purdy. Weeks 14 through 18 inside SF. Week 13 is his first row official start. Came in and he was quarterback number 18 of fantasy points at 15.3. He then comes in as quarterback. Number eight in week 14, 21.7 fantasy points. Week 15, quarterback 14, 16.5 fantasy points. Week 16, quarterback number 13, 
17 fantasy points. Week 17, quarterback nine comes in at 18.1 fantasy points. And week 18, yes, a lot of people don't play week 18, but still quarterback five with 19.8 fantasy points. He finished eighth in completion percentage amongst all quarterbacks with qualified 350 snaps, only finishing behind Geno Smith, who was super accurate last year, Joe Burrow, Herbert, Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, and Mahomes. He was number one in touchdown rate amongst all qualified quarterbacks at 7.6%. He finished ahead of Mahomes at 6.3%. He finished ahead of Joe Burrow at 5.9%. He finished ahead of Dak Prescott at 5.8%. He was number two in pressure completion percentage at 55.8%, only behind Herbert. He was number seven in true passer rating at 94.81%. And he was finished number one in the entire league in red zone completion percentage. I understand he's injured. That's the only reason why, in my opinion, he's not labeled as a starter right now. We just saw John Lynch give him a vote of confidence at Monday at the uh, at the owners' meeting when he said that he was the leader of the locker room. We saw last year at the end of the NFC Championship game where players were interviewed about this dilemma of them possibly starting Lance over Purdy, and players then and there even stated that there'd be a lot of upset people in the locker room if Purdy was not the starter. I think he's won this locker room based upon what he was able to achieve last year and the stretch the Niners had. Not only that, but when he's interviewed, you see how humble and kind and and and, and he is. And it reminds me of like a, a very young, young goat when we talk about Tom Brady, mm-hmm. right? He has that same demeanor in him. And I think that we could be seeing, you know, another great football player in the making. <laughs> I Billy, we've had a great time on the show today. That that breaks my heart as a very this is a very pro Trey Lance podcast. You just told me you loved my take of Rashad Penny. And like Trey Lance is like my flag plant last year. I was so excited about everything. And you just like just shattered my hopes and dreams. But again, this is season four. It is time to grow up a little bit and understand that it might be Brock Purdy's locker room at this point, whether I like it or not even though that Trey Lance could have been a fantasy football darling. But no, that is actually really fantastic. I love kind of how you broke that down. I mean, just so we, the other, like the thing, the way that you can look at this is for me, like in my own head is you have to break it up into three parts, you know, from an adjusted numbers perspective, you know, he got the vote of confidence in terms of where he's finishing among all these other great quarterbacks. Number two, you listen to what his team is saying about him. And if there are players being interviewed, there'd be uproar almost if he wasn't the starting quarterback. And then number three is like the leadership. You know, this isn't like the the Jets where they were kept trying to talk about that we want to give Zach Wilson chances. Always, all we heard was Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, as Wilson. As much as we knew he was struggling, he was the guy. But they're giving Brock Purdy votes of confidence. So it's coming from an analytics perspective, a team perspective, and a general manager perspective, which are all things that put together. Looks like Brock Purdy might be the guy, much to my dismay. I can cry about it after the show. We can talk about it later. But, Billy, it's been a pleasure having you on the Fantasy, Fresh Fantasy Podcast today. It's been an absolute blast. But you do a lot of really great work. I think you are among the Mount Rushmore right now of most underfollowed <laughs> fantasy people on, on Twitter at this point. So where can the people find you, your work, and all the great stuff that you're doing every day? You can find me uh, on Twitter at FFMuzio. That's M-U-Z-I-O. Uh, I'm also the director of operations over at Player Profiler. Um, and so you can find us over there. All my rankings and projections are on the site. 
Uh, we just released our FFPC dedicated uh, rankings, uh, high stakes rankings. Uh, we also have the uh, underdog rankings that are dedicated to underdog as well. And those are all done through uh, my projections and rankings and then uh, worked in with Dario, who is our analytics director. And, and we work our magic to come up with those. So um, that's where you can find me. That's where all my work is at. And thank you for having me on, Alex. Oh, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. He is Billy Musio. I am your host, Alex Caruso. And don't forget to tune in next Friday for the next episode of the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. And don't forget, as always, to don't stop chasing that upside.